The resurrection was real. It was real. It's not a fairy tale. I was, I was watching a show. I, I, I saw it on, on, I won't say what channel, it didn't matter. But I was watching the show about the resurrection, about Jesus. And I, I thought it was going to be about how they, um, you know, had proven that, that it was real. And uh, the whole show was proving that it wasn't real. Went through the whole show. And I got, I got through with watching the show, and I just began to pray. Father, I thank you that these words fall dead to the ground to the people that are listening to this so that people don't believe this was a fake, that it wasn't real. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of information out there. It's, it's really strange, but there's a lot of information out there trying to prove that this isn't real. And there are people that are part of church organizations that were started years and years ago, very strong, that are questioning that, that are questioning creation. But today... We're talking about the fact that it's real. Amen. Amen? The resurrection is real. Amen? The last two weeks we've talked about the resurrection and I said we're going to kind of fast forward and we looked at it after the fact and what it had produced and today we're looking at the actual fact or, or, or a little bit of history. I'm going to read some scripture and I want you to just follow with me because what I'm doing today is just creating a story of truth, of how all this happened and how God has positioned us in the earth to be the answer for Him. He's the answer to everything. We're talking about the God that knows everything about everything, and He lives inside of us. If you're born again today, He lives inside of you, and He wants you to tap all of that revelation and understanding. So, as I've said the last two weeks, if you didn't hear the messages previous, you can go to our um, church app or our website. You can listen to those, uh, download those messages. They're free. They're, they're there for you to hear what we've preached leading up to this. But um, I said in the last two messages both times that I contend that if you understand the resurrection, that you can receive anything from God. If you understand truly the resurrection, not just that He was raised from the dead, because last week we talked about the difference in Him being raised from the dead and the true resurrection that was planned before the foundation of the world. I can't go into that again. If you weren't here, go listen to it. <clears throat> When you live daily in the resurrection, you live free from burdens and cares. And this is what the Apostle Paul said. I want to I read this one verse, these two verses that I had read last week. Paul said in Philippians 3, 10 and 11, he says this, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means 
I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. What Paul is saying here is, is to know Him is to know His resurrection. To know Him is to know the resurrection and all of the planning that went in to that resurrection. You have to not just be able to make mental assent of it, but you've got to know it. And when you know it, there's not anything you can't receive because He's already positioned you and given you everything you need. We just have to receive it. Can you say amen to that? Last week, the last two weeks, I read these two definitions, and I want to read them again. Definition of resurrection is a resurgence or rising again to prominence. Everybody say again. Again. A resurgence or a rising again to prominence. The word prominence is a position of superiority. We know our God reigns supreme. We also know that after Adam and Eve gave it up in the garden, we also know that in the earth, He didn't reign supreme because He gave all authority to Adam and Eve He gave all authority to them. They gave it away. He didn't take it back. So as far as he was concerned, all right, right then, the moment they gave it up, the plan of redemption went into motion. The plan for the resurrection started at that moment. And for 4,000 years, the planet groaned, it moaned, there was great pain, there was great suffering, but all along, God's plan was to redeem his man. Now, what some people have a real difficult time with is, is that God couldn't just override what he had said. In Genesis 1, I give all authority to mankind. All authority in this earth. Not in hell or not in heaven, but the authority he gave to man on this earth. So when man gave it up, God couldn't step in because He can't lie. He doesn't like, He can lie but chooses not to. He can't lie. So if He gave all authority, He's not an Indian giver. Or whatever you call it. Kind of giver. He doesn't say something and then take it back. Oh, well, I didn't mean that. No, he meant exactly what he said. He gave it to us, settled. And he couldn't step in and make things right, but he already had the plan to redeem us <laughs> before they even messed up. The plan was already set. We see it all through Scripture. Three, well, three different times in Scripture we see. Before the foundation of the world, the plan of redemption was set in place. Amen? To bring God and man back to the place of superiority. He reigns supreme now because of His plan of redemption and redeeming us back. Now, we reign supreme. Why? Because we sit with Him in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. Now all authority, 
All dominion in heaven and earth has been given back to men on earth. And now we have it. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but He gave authority to the sons of men. And you say amen to that. So, we know some of the things that I just said, and I want to, I'm kind of starting my little journey here for the next few minutes. So just follow with me in Scripture. No, way, no better way to tell a story than to read it in Scripture, right? It's amazing how the Bible fits in a puzzle, and it's not Genesis to Revelation, you know, and, and the puzzle set up that way. No, it's this piece here and that piece here and this piece, and it just, it's amazing. It just fits like a glove. I mean, perfect. Amen? So follow with me. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. He'd created, you know, he, as, we just, as I just said, he'd created man. Gave him all authority in heaven and earth. Genesis 2 and verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to care and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, Who did he tell that to? Adam and Eve? No, 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 no. She didn't get that word. She wasn't there yet. She was there in spirit, but she wasn't there in bodily form. So she didn't hear that. So everybody that wants to blame Eve for the problems, well, it started with the man, because if the man would have stepped up, anyway. Anyway, chapter 3 and verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, and he said to the woman, and he said to the woman, why? She hadn't heard. (laughs) I mean, probably by now her husband told her, but she didn't hear it from the man. She didn't hear it from God. And he said this, this is what the sly one said. Did God really say to you, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, she and Adam. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And he said, no, you'll not die. You will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was standing there, kind of like this. I want to watch the video of that when I get to heaven, because I think that's what it's like.
He's standing there listening to that mess. They were already like God. They were created in God's image. They had, they'd been in the presence of God. They'd, they'd lived and, and they, they were, they, it was all a packaged thing. They were already that way. And here comes this lie. First lie we see. And she took it and she ate it. And then... She gave it to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Did nothing. Did nothing to stop the process. And so, as a result of it, the eyes of both of them were opened. They realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. That's where it all started. That's where the need for the resurrection started, right there, except the fact that it was already set up, and it was already intact, so the moment this happened, that plan of redemption, that resurrection was set in motion from that moment. So... For the next 4,000 years, through the years that we read about from Noah in the Bible and all that he went through, the sin was running rampant on the planet. It was just, it was just everywhere. So God saved the ma- mankind that he had created, but annihilated everybody else. We know the story of Noah. Then we went to the story of Abraham. An example of a man actually having faith to kill, at the time, his only son. The perfect example of what was created before the foundation of the world for you and I. But it had to happen where a man would make that choice. And after... All the years that Abraham, Abram, made mistakes and did all kinds of crazy things, he came to a place of revelation and understanding, and he made the choice, God wouldn't take my son from me. I'm going to take him to the hill, told the servants to stay behind. They had no sacrifice going to the top of the hill. They go to the top of the hill, he makes sets a fire up, does whatever he needed to do for the sacrifice, has the knife, whatever he was using to kill his son. And in that moment, the sacrifice from nowhere appeared. You know why? Abraham believed that if he, God, had to, he would raise his son. Abraham believed in God and would do exactly what God said. And there, there, the plan of redemption was set in motion because a man in earth had believed God. Then we went to Moses and all that the, the type and shadow that Moses and what he did was to us and to mankind. And then we went to Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we look at the miraculous manifestation of this plan that had been set up before the foundation of the world that is now 
was now about to be accomplished, and from the conception, the miraculous conception of Jesus, to the birth of Jesus, to the life of Jesus, and then the ministry of Jesus and all that happened in His ministry. Remember, He didn't come to the earth to become the Son of God. He already was. He came here to be the Son of Man. He came here to become the perfect example we could follow in so we could do the same things He did when He was on the earth. And then we come to this place, and I'm going to read the I'm going to read the account of it in Mark chapter 14. It started in a garden, and this is where the next start happened was in a garden. And we find Jesus in Mark chapter 14, starting with verse 32. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter and James and John along with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping again. Simon said, Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. You know, constantly, here he is again. These guys are not getting it. I'm about to leave. This is fixing to culminate in the next three days. He knew what was going to happen at this point. In another translation, it says he began to, or, or, or maybe it's right here, where he began to sweat drops of blood. He began to feel all the sins of the world coming on his body. And he's watching these guys, and they can't even stay awake for an hour. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away, and he prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of the sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Isn't it unique that in the Garden of Eden, there was one betraying Eve, betraying Adam, lying to them. Another one comes who's a betrayer and a liar and sets Jesus up. Another example of where it started in the garden for all of mankind. And in the moment that Jesus said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done, we see the greatest act of submission that the world has ever known. Because the will of Jesus and the will of the Father in that moment were not the same. If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not what I want. Why? Because what had come on him in the garden, the dripping of the blood began to be the sins, the sicknesses, the destruction of all mankind, everything that had happened previous and that would ever happen, even to this day and beyond, as long as this dispensation is intact, all of that was coming on him. 
as a human being, but as the seed of the Father directly. It was coming on him. And he was wondering whether he was going to be able to do it. He had doubt and unbelief begin to come to him or he wouldn't have said what he said. Father, if there be any other way, you think we could just forget this thing, let's annihilate all humanity and we'll start over. He didn't say that. Not my will, but yours. He chose us in that moment. Right then was the end, right then, because of faith. Okay, by faith. It didn't happen for three more days. But right then, by faith, what had been going on for 4,000 years stopped right then. People didn't know it at that moment. The devil didn't even know it at that moment. But his choice stopped one thing and started another. And what he started was the dispensation that you and I live in today of the church. Jesus said, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against. That's who we are. That's what we are. And that's our time. Listen, where we live today, folks, it's our time to shine. Did you hear what I said? Where we live today, where the church is today, it's our time to shine because the church is the hope that the nations have. They don't know it, but it's the church. Jesus isn't coming back down from heaven. Not in this dispensation of time. He's coming back, but not in this dispensation of time. For there to be victory down here, the church has to be the church, and the church has to know about the resurrection. Can you say amen? so they arrested him they took him before the Sanhedrin he was guilty they said they tortured him him, before that they brought him before before Pilate then to Herod then back to Pilate they tortured him they drug him down the Via Della Rosa dragging the cross somebody helping him to to carry the cross and to the cross And that point, they've nailed him. He's been up there for hours. And we see in Mark chapter 15 and verse 37. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice. And he breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. There was the end of the old. Off with the old, on with the new. Right then, when he breathed his last, there the end came. The rest of it was just a process of things having to happen, and almost like a communion service had to happen in heaven to have everything cleansed and in position. But at that moment, he breathed his last. It was over. And we see it right there. Off with the old, on with the new. Mark chapter 16 and verse 9. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, and they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive 
and had been seen by her, they did not believe. And after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the leaven as they sat at the table, and he hugged and kissed them. No, no, this was about believing. Today, it's about believing. He didn't hug and kiss him. He rebuked him. What the heck? You've been with me for three years. Three and a half years. I told you. I was leaving and I'm coming back. Well, we heard that. We thought maybe it could happen. No, no, it happened. And you've got to believe you got to understand what the resurrection did. What only two people had experienced on planet earth of having the true authority over anything and everything. Nobody else had experienced that until Jesus came. He never missed it. He never made a mistake to empower us that when we make mistakes, we can repent, we can overcome, we can get on top of this thing. That's what the resurrection brought. And he's rebuking them here. Later he rebuked the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Remember how many times, well, that's probably different accounts, but maybe three or four times that Jesus made this comment. It's more blessed to believe than it is to see. But these people saw, and they still didn't believe. And he's rebuking them and saying, we can't do this. we got to believe this stuff. we got to believe that we have all authority. Everybody say this after me. I have... All authority that was given to me through the resurrection. That's what Paul was saying. That I may know him through the resurrection. What I said last week about, you know, this is so true. Because we, 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 we have this idea, we, this time of the year comes around and... He's been raised from the dead. And that's so true that he's been raised from the dead. But it's more than the fact that he's been raised from the dead. The raising from the dead was a part of this plan called the resurrection. It was a plan that God had set in motion. Think about this. Before we made the mistakes, before Adam and Eve gave it up, he already had the plan. Do you think that he loves us? Do you think that he's ever going to leave us or forsake us? Do you think he's ever not going to come through for us in any situation? I mean, is, I mean when you talk about being patient, <laughs> he's the epitome of patience. 4,000 years for his plan to work. And now, you and I have to embrace the fact 
There's not anything we can't do. There's not anything we can't overcome. There's no problem too big, too high, too deep, too wide that he hasn't already made right. And what you and I have to do is receive what he's done. And if you and I don't learn how to receive what he's done, then we live short of what he paid for. And I'm telling you, that's not right. God wants his people in the earth to be on the receiving end of everything that he has done for us. Can you say amen to that? Mark chapter 16 and verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. And everybody said, Amen. That's what the resurrection produced. They didn't think they could believe, but listen, when he left, they were forced to believe. I'm telling you today, you say, well, you know, I'm just struggling. You've got to believe. You can't live here and not believe. You've got to spend enough time in your life and in your day in the Word of God to be able to believe that everything that he says is true. Everything. Not just some things, but everything. So what he just said there in Mark chapter 16, verse 19 and 20, that's us. That's us today. But here's the last point I want to make in this message. I read this last week, and I read a lot more of it. I'm just, I condensed it a little bit. And it's found in Romans chapter 6. And here... Here is, I mean, you don't, you don't talk, you don't, you don't focus on the devil. He's defeated. But the Bible says, don't be ignorant of his devices and the way he operates. And this is what he uses against people from receiving the revelation of the resurrection. This is what he uses. And it's found... It's found several places, but in, Mark, in, in Romans chapter 6 and verse 10. I just want to read these, these five verses. For the death that he died, Jesus, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, just like him. You also Reckon yourselves, consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, before I read the last three verses here, I want to talk about the word sin. Because there lies the main problem with people. And if you talk about things that someone would consider sin is. Um, Someone would consider adultery being sin. Uh, Drunkenness being sin. I'm just thinking of natural things in in the body. Uh, Drunkenness would be sin. Um, You know, um, lying would be sin. 
Um, murder would be sin. You, you think of all these things, and th- those things are sin. But the problem is, that's not what the Bible says sin is. Those are acts of something else. But what sin is defined is, is, as is disobedience. When you disobey God and His plan, that's sin. That leads to doing things that look like, you know, you're just covered up in sin and things in areas of your life. But listen to me. I mean, I know lots of people that do things that I don't do, but they got no conviction about it. Why? They don't know what I know. Right? See, they don't have any conviction about the things that they do. They're, they're happy and, you know, I, and you know what? The, I like people like that. I like people who are just going to do what they're going to do. And then the things that they're doing that end up not working in their life, and they come to me for answers, then I'm going to tell them what I believe. But I'm not going to shove it down their throat until they come to me. Did you hear what I said? And that's what the devil uses against us. He uses against humanity, getting them focused on the mistakes they've made, the, quote, sins that they've made and that they've done, when actually that's not really sin. It's acts of disobedience is what it is. And until you learn to understand that, you'll continue to do those things. And if you're born again and you're sneaking around doing things or hiding things or saying things or acting a certain way and you're condemned about it all the time, you're going around with this condemnation, you're not going to receive anything from God. That's what we got to get free of. And the way to get free of it is to have a relationship with Him and understand Him through the resurrection. These last three verses and I'm done. Therefore, do not let what? What? what what's it defined as? Do not let disobedience reign in your body. It's a different way of looking at it. That you should obey its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to disobedience, but present yourselves to God, watch, as being alive from the dead and members as instruments of righteousness to God. Watch this. This is what I say over myself every day, and I never miss it. For sin, disobedience shall not have dominion over me. And that's where it starts. It would have been wrong for me to just end my message on my little journey and not say, this is what the resurrection is here for to produce. You and I getting rid of disobedience by learning to obey. And how do you learn to obey? When you find out how much He loved you, how much He went what all went into seeing you delivered and set free and what the resurrection produced. I don't have to live anything less in anything less than what God has done for me. How about you? Amen? Sin 
shall not have dominion over me. I'm not under the law anymore. Now I'm under grace. By grace I've been saved through faith. Not of my own workings and doings, but through faith in Him. Can you say amen to that? Today is Easter Sunday. It's the resurrection. (laughs) We've got this, this picture, my wife and I, saw this picture. When we first saw that picture that's hanging in our living room, it, it was a small one, right? We saw, right? Yeah, we saw this picture. And it was these two guys, and we couldn't tell. I don't think we remember sure what it exactly was when we first saw it, but then somebody said what it was. But it was, it was Peter and John at the tomb and this, this look on their face. <laughs> and we found a large portrait of that, and it's hanging in our living room, and it's a reminder he's alive. And his resurrection was planned before I ever screwed up. And every mistake I've ever made, I don't care what it is, every mistake I've ever made, every mistake you've ever made is already forgiven. And when I realized that I'm not living my life to disobey I'm living my life for Him, through Him, and through the power of His resurrection so I can be a leader at showing people how good this life really is. That's the key. That's what I started this message out three weeks ago on that I wanted to end with, that we're no longer under the law. We're under grace. And sin, disobedience, shall not have dominion over us because of the power of his resurrection. And my prayer for you this day and beyond, I pray for you every day. You're part of this body. I pray for you every day, every day. I never miss. But my prayer for you is that you know him from today on in a greater way than you've ever known him through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through his resurrection, resurrection, resurrection. Direction. Direction. Direction.